From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Great to be with you, as always, and once again, coming to you live from my little studio beneath the stairs here in historic Old Thornhill. We are streaming live on YouTube as well. Just go to my Strange Planet channel on YouTube. Please subscribe, and that way you'll get notifications and reminders when we stream or when a new video is available. And Ryan also uploads my podcasts there as well, Conspiracy Unlimited and uh, the late great Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, which I'm not making new ones, but uh, those episodes, of course, will live forever online. And uh, just a note that we are only streaming the audio live on uh, on YouTube. We're having some webcam issues, but we'll sort those out next week. I got a brand new webcam. It looks absolutely fabulous. Uh, and the studio looks great, but it's kind of interfering with the live stream or the... Uh, the audio streaming, so we'll we'll get that sorted, not to worry. But we are streaming the audio. Open lines this hour, or if you wish, ask me anything. Let me give you those phone numbers right now. 416-360-0740. Again, 416-360-0740. That's in the greater Toronto area. And toll-free from just about anywhere. And we love to hear from you in the uh, the United States and all across Canada. Toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. And, of course, you can start calling right now. And Faz, uh, back at Zoomerplex in Master Control, will be your concierge. So say hi to Faz. Uh, Coming up in the second hour, medical plants expert, Dr. Cass Ingram will be here. My gosh, how long have I known Cass Ingram? More than 25 years, I should think. And, of course, he is the author of The Cure is in the Cupboard and Who Needs Headaches and many, many more books. I've lost count, quite frankly, but he has a new one out, and it's called The Cannabis Cure. And we'll be discussing a compound called BCP. You might want to write that down. This is new, new information, BCP. And Cass is basically saying, move over THC and CBD and say hello to BCP, <laughs> ASAP, uh, the new super cannabinoid. It's a recently identified chemical compound uh, that's found not only in cannabis, but in other aromatic plants as well. And it can help, according to a new study, uh, with a host of things, and we'll get into that when Dr. Cass Ingram, the healthy hunter, the health hunter, uh, medical uh, plants expert Cass Ingram joins us. And, uh, oh, next week on the program, oh, we, uh, we were, we're going to have someone from um, the UFO Megacon, the Mega Conference again, happening in uh, Laughlin, Nevada. We'll have a, a great guest for you. And so stay tuned for more details on that. And for an update on that, just keep checking strangeplanet.ca. 
That's my website, strangeplanet.ca. And we'll have upcoming show information there. And uh, we'll get you updated on what's happening next week. But we will have someone, someone from that big UFO conference happening in Laughlin, Nevada. Uh, that's coming up at the end of this month. And uh, that's called the UFO Megacon or Megacon UFO. All right. Uh, we are going to dive right into the calls here. I think we have someone waiting. Let me see. Who it is it? It's, uh, I can't see here. Whoa, what's going on? We have someone from Niagara Falls, but I'm not seeing it. Who's on the line? Who do we have, Faz? Hello, my name is Eugene. Hey, Eugene, you're checking in from Niagara Falls? Uh, yeah, I had really a two issues that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I wish you guys could get somebody down to our old Fort Niagara near the border, because that is supposed to be really haunted uh, from the wars going back, you know, over 100 years. I have no doubt. I would. Yeah. I have no doubt that that would be haunted. Uh, that would have been. Uh, when would that have seen action? The the War of eighteen twelve. I'm guessing. Yes, right? yeah, the War of eighteen twelve. And uh, they claim that. I mean, it's you could go there on almost any given night, any time of the year, and there would be paranormal activity. Have you Have you been there? Have you witnessed paranormal activity? Well, not living far from there. I mean, I've heard all the stories. Some of them have gotten the newspapers. But nobody uh, from the media, either online or on the radio, has really uh, pursued it, you know, recently in, in the recent years. And so, you know, I was just something like a suggestion for maybe your program. Oh, it sounds great. Uh, if I can find someone to speak to that. Of course, we up here we have uh, Fort York. Uh, which also saw action, of course, during the War of 1812. And uh, there are some fabulous ghost stories of people seeing on another soldiers subject, and so um, forth. I know that yes. you get into the, the uh, Kennedy assassination. Uh, Lyndon Johnson's attorney, um, Bar McLennan, I think was his name, he wrote a second book, and it was called The Verdict. This book ended up being suppressed. Um, on Kennedy's 50th anniversary, they were going to bring this book, you know, with uh, Mr. McLennan in public, and all of a sudden he never did the interviews. Uh, you go to Amazon, and Amazon had said that the book's not in circulation. You'd have to try to go through England. And I'm wondering, well, hey, you know, what is this about if the book was suppressed? That's fascinating. Um, I've heard of Barb McLennan. I've done programs previously on LBJ's a potential connection to the assassination potential. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's happening with that book specifically. It, it's possible there's a legal issue. Uh, you know, if if he's yeah. naming someone who's still alive, maybe from the LBJ estate, maybe they issued a cease and desist order. Hard to say without knowing the particulars. With, uh, Jack Ruby, but, that when he went in and sent the Western Union, that he told people there, or one lady, I think, that's still living, that they were holding Oswald up for him. Now, whether that's true or not, or whether that would suppress the book, I don't know. But McLennan was one of Johnson's attorneys. All right. Well, maybe I can reach out to Barr McLennan, find out what's happening. Yeah. The now, other, the other thing is uh, John Barber. And, Do you remember and, John Barber? Um, on YouTube, they said that he had... Uh, cancer but he seemed to recover and he was doing a interview program in texas about a year ago but then again they never mentioned the book the verdict right uh but john barber is, is going to be on the program actually he'll be live in studio with me in april i don't have a date specifically yet he has a new book out i mean he's really one of the the, the pioneers of reality tv and of course he had that program 
uh, Real People that was uh, very popular, I guess, in the uh, the early 80s. And he's quite a JFK assassination researcher and a documentary filmmaker. So I'll, I'll, I'll broach that with him as well. Uh, but I will look up Bar McLennan. That's a great uh, suggestion. Thank you so much, Eugene. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And we can also look into uh, doing something on uh, uh, the fort down there, Fort Erie, uh, which supposedly is haunted. Oh, I also wanted to mention that if you are in the uh, the YouTube live chat, I'll also be taking your questions as well. So uh, all of our regulars, uh, Gord and um, uh, Weiwei, or is it YY? I never know. I'm sorry. Send me a send me a pronouncer, would you? YY or Weiwei? Uh, and um, you betcha. So if you have any questions in the the live chat, we'll take yours as well. All right, back to the phones we go. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and toll free from out of town. One eight six six seven forty four seven forty, and uh, who do we have up next? I think it's Keith in Rochester. All right, here comes trouble. Keith, you're on. Uh, different groups around the world are forming strange alliances. Members of, of within the same group are pointing, accusing fingers at each other, and a lot of this surrounds anti-Semitism. And I'm wondering how this is all going to shake out. I can see a rise of um, not only anti-Semitism, but just different groups who uh, social media are just seeing things in each other that were at each other's throats really bad, and it's getting worse, and no one will come down and talk common sense and reach out across the aisle. And I'm very concerned, not with just uh, my country, but I see things uh, politically correct in your country with having to use pronouns, this is going on around the world, and people are simply being beaten down. And with a rising anti-Semitism, I see some really tough times ahead, and no one is backing down, willing to uh, look at the other person's side of the argument. Excellent points, uh, Keith. Thank you for the call. Well, there are a couple of things there. Yes, political correctness is sort of one issue. Uh, it's it's funny though because yes we're being we're we're sort of walking on eggshells in terms of many other issues. Uh, but you're right. On the other hand, it seems to be open season in some quarters, particularly on on social media and in the uh, the U.S. House of Representatives, no less. In uh, and there, there is an issue. There is a problem uh, with the Democratic Party, the radical uh, base of the Democratic Party, which is growing. Uh, of course, we have of recent comments from uh, certain members of the U.S. House and. Uh, the, uh, the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, seems very timid in, in tackling this. They tried to pass a, uh, a resolution uh, condemning anti-Semitism, and uh, they didn't name the, uh, the, particular, uh, the particular member of the House, uh, Omar, uh, from Minnesota, who is uh, from Somalia originally. And uh, she has been uh, supported by AOC, Alexandria um, uh, Cortez and uh, and others have refused to to condemn her statements. Now I, I have to say that it's okay to criticize the state of Israel, that the policy, if you want. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm one of these Israel right or wrong guys. I just I'm a great supporter of the state of Israel. I have stated that you know numerous times, and I, I will never back down from that position. Do they make mistakes? Of course they make mistakes. 
but uh, Israel is is a great ally. They share our values. They share our values, and they are very deserving of our support. Uh, so, but it's okay. I don't think, for example, that Omar should be kicked off the uh, this committee or that committee because she she wants to criticize Israel. But that's the least of what she has said. I mean, she has said. You know, many other things that are very concerning, as have some other members of the uh, the radical, uh, the radical wing of the Democratic Party. So they have a problem going into 2020. And uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, seems very timid and unwilling. They couldn't even pass a simple resolution, even after they tried to after they tried to sort of water it down. So that's going to be very interesting. Very interesting. All right. Let's say hi to Charles, who's checking in from Ohio. Hey, Charles, how are you? Welcome to oh, the Conspiracy Show. I'm fine. And how about yourself? <laughs> Terrific. And whereabouts in Ohio are you? I'm uh, near the Cleveland area. Beautiful. Got to get down to – I want to take my boys down to Cleveland and Cincinnati, maybe this spring – uh, or summer to uh, to catch some baseball games. We're on one of these missions. We're going to see. I'm going to take them to a baseball game in every stadium, baseball park uh, in the major leagues. So, and, and this year we've decided we're going to do it geographically, uh, so we can do it in an efficient manner. Cleveland, Cincinnati, and I'm thinking maybe Pittsburgh in one trip. That's great. I'll be happy to see you down here. Terrific. All right. So. What's on your mind, my friend? I wanted to talk a little bit about greenhouse gas and uh, global warming. All right. One of my uh, favorite topics. Okay. Uh, they, um, we're offered solutions for these problems, and um, I just there's one I haven't heard much about. Uh, greenhouse gases are basically the two major causes they give us for it are our power generation and our transportation. And the thing is that uh, we're using our gas, whether you believe in it or not, we're using our gas inefficiently. Uh, oh, no, there's no question about that. Okay. Uh, there is well, no question see, about that. You they're, could, I'm sure we could – I'm sorry. Go ahead. They're pushing for zero emission vehicles. Well, there's a system to burn hydrocarbon fuels, diesel fuels, even coal, it, burn it in a closed-loop system. Uh, they use it in submarines. It's called air-independent propulsion. And you can hmm. find it uh, closed-cycle diesel-powered systems for submarines. I mean, it's not popular for submarines. The U.S. took and they decided back in the early 60s or before that they were going to go all nuclear, but navies around the world use closed-cycle systems. They're not using the diesel one although they can also make that. But it also applies to our internal combustion engines in our cars. See, to solve the global uh, problem of uh, greenhouse emissions from automobiles and power generation, they will, they're, to all of their solutions are tearing out, tearing up, and melting down all our cars. Well, that ain't going to work. No, no. How are they going to win? How are they going to build these gigantic, ridiculous wind turbines without fossil fuel? (laughs) Exactly, and any other solution they. But I mean, just to build all the batteries for all the battery power cars, and for hardening the grid to to take all the power that it's going to take to power up these cars. Well, the the best solution is to convert 
the cars on the road and the new ones coming out to a closed cycle fuel system. Where That's fascinating. I, I wasn't familiar with this. I'm going to look into that. Right. Uh, I. I've, I've had another gentleman on, an inventor from Utah, Salt Lake City, him. David Yurth, yep. who, and I should do a follow-up with him. His catalytic converting process that uh, will convert the carbon dioxide and emissions, make them more harmless. Uh, I, yes. I remember the show. It was very interesting. Right. Yes, he basically had a device that could un- uncouple the, uh, the carbon molecule uh, so that it disassociated. Uh, and and so yes, essentially what you had coming out from the tailpipe was just some inert gases and water vapor. But you see, this I think gets to the nub of it. They're, the the alarmists aren't interested in solutions. Yes. They're only interested in offering their version of the cure, which is about control and the huge transfers of wealth. That's what it's really about. Exactly. Their control and consolidation. They want to, uh, they want to control the companies. They don't like the innovation. Yeah, uh, I think your, your inventor you interviewed said the not invented here syndrome uh, with a lot of companies. Uh, and, and they, uh, they kick, they brush everything else aside. Exactly. Uh, in, in, instead of trying to shut down, imagine trying to shut down, uh, fossil fuel industry. I mean, we've already, We've already, I think, done irreparable harm to the Canadian economy up here, uh, and and we um, we would have to shut down. I think in order to meet, someone did the calculations on this. In order to meet the goal set forth in the uh, the Paris Accord, we would ben- basically have to shut down not only our energy sector but also our agricultural sector. People people re- forget that that that. Uh, that uh, petroleum is essential to agriculture, uh, not only to fuel farm machinery, of course, but also uh, for for um, for uh, things that we spray on crops. Uh, it's also integral to uh, into uh, to um, medical medical uh, pharmaceuticals, for example. Well, so this idea that we're going to end uh, the use of of fossil fuels is is a suicide mission. Real revolution, because every every individual's efforts, uh, heck, it's the it's the gas that takes us to work, it's the the electricity that heats our homes and uh, it, that cools our homes. It's our comfort, convenience. Gasoline and fossil fuels are everything, and we are purposely it, it, they've known for years. Look, the basic closed cycle fuel system was uh, first proposed in a patent in the 1930s, and it, as recently I found them as recently as 2000. People trying to uh, get push this uh, technology forward, and uh, and uh, when I look for the inventors that have issued these patents. They ain't easy to find. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to them, but something's going on. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to look into that. And Charles, great call from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you. Let's try and squeeze Ed in London in here very quickly. And if I have to hold him over through the break, we'll do that. Ed, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I wonder if I could make a comment on the last call. Go ahead. Before I get into my topic, uh, there was a show on 60 Minutes only about a month ago, or the, maybe two months ago, the inventor, uh, sort of a, uh, you know, an inventor that wasn't a scientist, come up with a plan to uh, to take agricultural byproducts and make cheap alcohol by uh, 
bombarding the alcohol in the uh, electron emitters, and it was very cheap, and uh, 60 Minutes was all excited about it. And, uh, all right, all right. But here's the problem. The, do, we, we never seem to get the same the same efficiency and power uh, that we get from from fossil fuels. Uh, so that's that's the sticking point here. All right, let's uh, take a time out. We'll come back, take more of your calls. Open lines, ask me anything. 416-360-0740, 1-866-744-740. And, of course, I'll take questions from our supporters in the uh, live chat about our YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. be afraid of the dark the conspiracy show with richard serrett hey welcome back just uh, steeping my tea here in my little uh, studio beneath the stairs thanks for joining us and just a reminder uh, we are not streaming a video on the the live youtube stream tonight we will resume that next week hopefully when we get our webcam uh fixed but uh, we are streaming the audio again. Just go to uh, our YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and uh, join us there every week. If you're not able to uh, to listen live on Zoomer Radio here in Toronto, AM 740, 96.7. Open lines this hour in uh, until the top of the hour. And uh, then in the second hour, Dr. Cass Ingram will be with us, and we'll talk about super cannabinoids and uh, a new uh, chemical compound. Well, it's not new, but I guess it's been sort of recently discovered as having certain health effects. There is a, a scientific study, and we'll talk about that uh, with Cass, along with um, other medicinal plants, uh, with the health hunter, Dr. Cass Ingram. Now, before the break, we had Ed in London, who uh, checked in, and he wanted to respond to a call from Charles in Ohio regarding uh, uh, greenhouse gases. And uh, then you had something else you wanted to talk about. Ed, go ahead. Yes, I did. Uh, thanks uh, for getting me back on here. I just wondered if any updates on the lawsuit against the Democratic Party in which the three people from the law firm were killed. Have they done anything about that, or there's no news up here about it? Uh, just remind, when you say three people from the law firm. Yes, but uh, Bernie Sanders supporters had invested millions of dollars and thought that the uh, superdelegates had uh, cheated them out of the uh, domination. Against Hillary and oh, they've oh that's right and the gentleman that served the gentleman that served yeah he's who served the uh, the uh, the subpoena I guess it was uh, wound up dead killed. in his home yes the now the there were three lawyers it was one killed. found on a Florida beach that's exactly as well in Debbie Wasserman Schultz's uh, district uh, and there was a third remind me who the third was somebody was run over by a truck and their lawyer from the same law firm ah all from the same law firm. Yeah, I, uh, that's right, uh, the process server. I remember the first two. I, I forgot about the third. No, I have heard nothing, not surprisingly, about that. Uh, have you heard anything? No, I think that's kind of discouraging if your law firm's losing all its members. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if they've uh, decided to pass or what's going on. There's nothing in the news about it. Well, 
nothing in the mainstream news, but uh, I'll have to poke around and see what else I can find. Uh, because it's also been very quiet uh, on the Seth Rich front, of course, uh, the Las Vegas shooting. So, you know, these stories tend to die in the vine in the mainstream media. And that's why we have uh, the alternative news, uh, you know, in, in order to keep, you know, pulling at these threads. Uh, thanks a lot for the call. Oh, did you, did you want to add anything else before I move on? No, I'm just saying the news has been pushed aside by the tweeting, constant tweeting of President Trump, and they just want to jump on all that. They certainly do uh, take the bait, don't they? All right. Thanks for the call in London, Ed. Uh, next, we have Alex from Toronto. Alex, good evening. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Yeah. Hi, Richard. Um, China has had that one person, one policy, one child, and that's causing havoc in that country. Now, it, it occurred to me that in the States, they must have had the same problem back during the Civil War because they lost 800,000 young men in a four-year period. And I was trying to find a book or something relating to this problem because there must have been a lot of old maids during hmm. that period shortly after the Civil War. And I'm wondering how long it took to get the balance back in order. Right, right. Do you know anything about that? Not regarding the Civil War, although the sort of the the uh, the big influxes of immigration I think started shortly where where thereafter, maybe a generation later, eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, even before. Uh, you know, mass immigration uh, from Ireland and, and, uh, primarily from the UK. Well, I was 1840s from Ireland. They already had that because... Well, even after the potato famine, yes, there was the, you're right. After the potato famine, there was a big influx. But then, well, maybe by the, uh, the early, uh, or by the late 19th century, maybe we began to see immigrants from, uh, places, uh, in Southern Europe, like Italy. I'm not exactly sure when that started. But yeah. I would, I would imagine that that, that would have, offset the demographic issue somewhat. Now, in China, I believe they've discontinued the one-child policy. Yeah, they have now. But it occurred to me that in the 1870s, from 1865 to about 1880, that 15-year period, they had a lot of probably young women that weren't able to find a mate. So it must have been pretty hard on them because I don't know what the population was in uh, America in 1865. But when you lose 800,000, that's nearly a million young men within a short period of time. So um, they certainly must have had a lot of problems trying to find a suitor at that time, the young ladies. It's an so, excellent point. Yeah, now, if anybody w- has my understanding on of- it, I'd like to hear about it. Right. Now, what has happened in China, my understanding is they have created uh, a somewhat similar problem. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a country of over one and a half billion people. Uh, But uh, women of a certain um, uh, age or sorry, men of a certain age are having trouble finding a bride. It's the exact opposite, because obviously the uh, the culture there uh, in, in, in China, they favor having uh, male children. And uh, 
this, I mean, the horrible, horrible situation where they are having uh, uh, sex selection abortions and, and these sorts of things. We never hear about that from the feminists. Do you notice? They never attack China for their uh, selective um, uh, abortion to select gender. Where they, yes. you know, young girls, uh, unborn, the unborn female is being mm-hmm. aborted, aborted yes. in China. Yes. So yes. what we have yes. now are uh, a cohorts of young men running around in China. They can't find uh, mates, uh, girlfriends. And so what happens to men mm-hmm. at a particular age when they don't settle down is they get into trouble. That's right. And and uh you know they they uh they behave badly and uh, so china is having to deal with that it's a demographic problem of their own creation mm-hmm. and uh i'm i'm not sure you know how long that's going to take to to uh to sort itself out right well if any of your uh, listeners know of a book whereas uh they mm-hmm. dealt with the problem because i don't know what the problem is. if they had 20 million people in uh, the states at that time in nearly a million died from uh, the war and the injuries afterwards there must have been a lot of imbalance in the cities primarily because that's where the wars were fought no from, doubt uh, mason dixon line on down Alex, you raise a, an, an interesting point, and uh, I'll try and look into that for you. Thank you so much. I've got to move along. Uh, let's see. Oh, I'm, I want to go to the uh, the YouTube uh, stream chat, and uh, King Akira has a question. He says, can you please talk about Philip Marshall again? Uh, he, the author of The Big Bamboozle. All right. I, I think I've mentioned this a few times on the on the program. Some of you may have uh, heard the uh, the program I did with Philip Marshall I'm trying to remember how long ago it was, maybe 2012. Philip Marshall was a retired airlines uh, pilot. I think he flew for United. And after he retired and after uh, 9-11, uh, he launched a class action lawsuit, I think against the Bush family, uh, on behalf of the other families of the United uh, Airline uh, pilots who died during 9-11. And they were trying to get to the truth and, and, and find out what really happened and so forth. And, uh, and then, uh, he wrote a book called The Big Bamboozle, which relied heavily on, uh, Senator Bob Carey's, I believe it was Bob Carey from Florida. I may have that name wrong. I'll have to check. But he was the, um, he, he sort of chaired a joint, uh, Senate House investigation into 9-11. Not the, uh, not to the not the second one that most people are aware of that issued the 9/11 report. This was one prior, and they tried to subpoena FBI agents and so forth and, and get to the truth. And and uh, they were basically that that uh, committee. They hired professional a professional crack team of uh, professional investigators, and they started poking around and finding some connections to the Saudi royal family. And uh, then the the investigation was pretty much shut down. Uh, they were told they couldn't sub- subpoena certain FBI agents in the field, many of whom were saying, listen, the hijackers were, were being, you know, escorted around and, and, and uh, they had access to Boeing flight simulators and uh, they even pointed to the Saudi ambassador to the Washington, uh, to, uh, to, to the United States, Prin- Prince, uh, 
uh, uh, they used to call him Bandy Bush, I think. He was so close to the, close to the Bush family. Anyway, I interviewed uh, Philip, and uh, also for uh, my television show, I met him in Santa Monica. And several months later, I received an email. It was a link to a news story, I believe, in Sacramento or Santa Barbara, where Philip lived. And uh, he had allegedly uh, shot and killed his two children before turning the gun on himself. A murder, suicide, absolutely horrific. And uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't know uh, Philip that well. I had no indication based on our meeting that something like that would happen. I can't say I knew him that well, but he seemed like such a rational, kind, gentle person. Who knows? Uh, there was some speculation that perhaps there was a hit team to silence him because of the revelations in the big bamboozle. Uh, and, and, and if you think about it, what better way to discredit someone than turning them into a, um, a murderer, killing his own children, and then suiciding, suiciding him. And so he can't obviously, you know, speak for himself. We, we don't know. And I don't know that we'll ever know the full truth of what happened to Philip Marshall. The curious thing was, uh, Immediately upon receiving that email and learning of Philip, of Philip Marshall's horrible death, I went into my email to check my email thread. It's something I do. Maybe it's somewhat morbid. I don't know. I don't mean it to be. But I always look to see what my last communication was with someone once they've passed on. And it was gone. The entire email thread was gone. I can't tell you why. I didn't delete it. I know that much. All right. Uh, back with more calls in a moment. Open lines right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right. Welcome back. Open lines this hour till the top of the hour. And then in the second hour, we will uh, be joined by Dr. Cass Ingram. And we'll talk about uh, medicinal plants, particularly uh, cannabinoids and a, a new chemical compound, uh, according to a recent study that supposedly can uh, can help out with a, rem- with a number of health problems. And uh that's upcoming on the program. All right, Melanie is in Toronto. Melanie, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Hi, great show as usual, and um, I think they might think of making you a permanent host, probably of Coast to Coast eventually. Oh, uh-huh. no, 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 <laughs> no, no. You've got that. You've got that calming voice. Uh, you're my favorite alternative to host. You have that soft, uh, gentle sort of uh, tone that sort of makes you. Get into the story. You're not uh, you're not uh, choppy. Your your t- intonation for myself as a singer, you have a very wonderful intonation. But what I want to discuss is just two quick not discuss but two comments. The first one is that I am so terribly disappointed in institutions that are set up to basically protect people in general. That's what they're set up for. But it seems that the, uh, my observation over the last. 10 years has been that these institutions that are set up, whatever they are, uh, are set up to protect themselves and their financial uh, holdings. And I'm talking about government, uh, uh, unions, uh, policing, medical, all of these. They, they seem to serve themselves, and sometimes they don't even serve the membership 
of the institutions, nurses, unions, for example, uh, Wetlaufer, is it the one that ended up murdering all those patients? All those uh, those warning signs, they didn't seem to do anything about it. And I feel so sad in this day and age that I've come to this age to realize, because I've had such great hope and trust in institutions, that it's really disappointing. And I'm just wondering how many people out there feel the same way, that they've, they're sort of feeling, you know, weary and, and shoulders sort of bent. Like, where is the justice in a lot of these institutions? Because they're not protecting us the people they were set up to protect it seems it's just like a it's like sort of like a monster that's just you know going you know its own way and and forgetting uh, you know what it was supposed to set up for like the gods of mount olympus are all falling you know and i well just... that is one of the one of the immutable laws of nature is mm-hmm. that now i'll talk about government institutions or bureaucracies mm-hmm. uh and there are there are great people uh, that there work are, absolutely uh, bureaucrats of course there are Yes. Uh, most of them, but but they they just I call them synthetic beasts. Yeah, and they do they 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 grow, uh, and it becomes their purpose. It's like when you create a life, mm-hmm. it's the overriding you know driving force is to grow. Yes, and and that's what bureaucracies do. They 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 want to grow. They expand expand power. Right, uh, and and they start out well intentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely but, true. I mean, where would they? Where would we be without them? We'd be end up like, you know, China with face recognition and and thought control. But the whole thing is, sometimes some institutions are not so dangerous to the public. But when you give extreme powers, for example, just to take into consideration our policing, uh, you give them a badge and you give them a gun, and they're not held up to the same accountability that you know the rest of us are. It's a, it's a dangerous world because it can be. It can it's be extremely absolutely dangerous, and we maybe we should vet them up with. Uh, you know, more um, assessments, psychiatric assessments to see if we're getting social paths in that. Because Reader's Digest had a great article a couple of years ago as to what careers of sociopathic behaviors are, are noted. And they're usually noted in, in the military and policing. And of all, all of the ones that shocked me the most was uh, in medicine. And that's nursing, right? And that's sort of anywhere you have power or teaching over somebody in, in a lesser position than you are who has no power. And maybe we should give more psychological tests to who we're accepting into these professions. Um, but the other light, lighthearted issue I'd like to say is someone who I know is very intelligent said uh, about the fossil fuel uh, problem, what about planes and jets? I mean, can you imagine how much pollution is going into the atmosphere, into the um you know, into our ozone layer and, and destroying it and causing holes. I mean, we have millions of flights every year and all that that's going. Can you see a politician who's so pro, pro wind power telling, telling them, you know what, will you stop flying? Can you see that, you know, our planet, nobody flying anywhere? Because I think that's causing more, more problems to our, uh, to our uh, air than, than any cars could. Well, uh, well, AOC has already floated that idea in her, in her new Green Deal. Uh, but the ozone, that's another issue. Our ozone is, is repairing itself. Uh, pollution is separate from carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas. CO2, not a pollutant in my books. It's a nutrient. We need it for life. All right, Melanie, thanks for the call. We'll take some more on the other side. Stay with us on The Conspiracy Show.
Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Hey, some sad news from the world of baseball. I, I, I'm reading that Tom Seaver, the great Hall of Fame pitcher, former New York Mets, of course, who helped the team win the 1969 World Series. Remember the Miracle Mets? He has been diagnosed with dementia at age 74 and uh, is retiring uh, from public life. Uh, so he will not be joining his uh, former teammates this season in New York to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Miracle Mets. And um, I'm also f- uh, reading here that according to uh, some reports, Seaver was diagnosed with Lyme disease back in 1991 while he lived in Connecticut. And then it re- reoccurred. I mean, Connecticut is sort of ground zero for, for Lyme disease. That's where it it originally broke out. In uh, Lyme, Connecticut, and uh, so he con- he contracted it in 1991, and then it re- reoccurred in 2012, led to Bell's palsy and get this memory loss. So is Lyme disease connected to his dementia? Very sad. Um, I'll ask uh, Dr. Cass Ingram about that because uh, he has uh, he he came down with a, a, a very debilitating form of Lyme disease and uh, says he beat it with uh, oil of oregano. But we're going to talk to Cass about uh, uh, cannabinoids. All right, uh, let's see. Oh, it's Paul checking in from Oshawa. Paul, good evening. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Hi, Richard. Thank you for taking the call. I believe now we're all missing an hour. I'm sorry, you believe which? We're all missing an hour, having to jump ahead. Oh, we're all missing an hour. That's right. I love Stephen Wright's joke about daylight savings time. He said, it's a fad. I gave it six months. Yeah, Richard, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about chemtrails with you and your take on this. Uh, Since 2003, uh, taking to the skies, being more of a sky watcher, uh, I noticed a lot of clarity 2003 for the next few years, and then... I guess in the last few years, Richard, I see uh, a lot more chemtrails uh, occurring above our skies uh, with different applications where we perceive it to be a, a clear sky, but if you apply the solar obliteration technique by just blocking the sun with a structure, and if you can see up, uh, you know, the natural state of uh, nature, uh, like flying seeds high in the sky moving across, you have a clear sky. Uh, in these last few years, I've seen very few of that now in clear skies because of the various applications they're applying to even heavier uh, chemtrailing, which results the following day uh, precipitation and, and such. And also uh, on other certain days when they are spraying and they have some open holes that are miles in, uh, you know, square miles, uh, it seems the jets are right in there right away to seal it up as if they don't want the sunlight to the ground. Uh, what do you think your take is on the uh, chemtrail agenda, mainly? Because I know there's different applications of reasoning why they're doing this. Well, I've always said that I think there's a, a Pulitzer Prize waiting a journalist who does an in-depth, serious, in-depth investigation uh, rather than the usual treatment we're getting from the mainstream media, which is, uh, you know, to... Uh, just snide sort of laughter is basically the response you get from the mainstream media. I think someone needs to look into it. I remember a gathering of scientists in San Diego several years ago, and this this made uh, the news. They were talking about at some point in the future, we may have to consider 
a geoengineering program. Uh, and their rationale was that uh, by by pumping tons and tons and tons of uh, aluminum oxide particulates into the atmosphere, they might be able to forestall global warming. And I've always been of the mind that if someone says we're thinking about doing it, that usually means they've been doing it. And this is sort of their way of letting us know. So I personally have no doubt that there are programs going on uh, where there are there's aerosolized programs. Uh, there are they are spraying something. Is it aluminum? Is it uh, is it barium? Is it strontium? I don't know. Uh, but I think at least the anecdotal evidence is overwhelming. Uh, what is the purpose? Well, we have we have of course that uh, defense white paper that came out a number of years ago called "Owning the Weather by 2025." So I think they're way out of schedule. Uh, I think they can control the weather. I don't know that we can control climate because if I said so, that would be uh, sort of if if I believe that we could control climate, then that then I would basically be arguing in in favor of anthropogenic um, global warming, which I don't agree with. I think that is the height of hubris to think that man can control climate. We can control weather. Uh, we've known that since the Vietnam War, where we were seeding clouds and and making it rain, uh, which was which was done uh, to um, uh, to prevent Ho Chi Minh from moving armaments along the Ho Chi Minh Trail. They made it rain so that it would be a big muddy mess. So we know we can control weather. We know we can seed clouds. Uh, is it being used for uh, some sort of Sinister plot, depopulation, or to make us chronically ill? Perhaps. I don't have the evidence in my hand right now. I don't have the documentation. I don't see, I don't have a smoking gun, but I think something is going on in that regard. And, um, I would like to see or hear more whistleblowers come forward before I can make an absolute determination. Uh, what do you think is going on, Paul? Did we lose Paul? I think so. All right. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's say hi to Michael. Michael is next. Uh, we'll squeeze him in before the top of the hour. Michael, where are you calling from? Las Vegas, I see. Yes, sir. How are you doing today, Richard? I'm terrific, thank you. How are you listening to Good. us? On the YouTube stream, or how are you listening? I listen, I listen to you through Zoomer on the Internet. Most Excellent. Times, sometimes through YouTube, but a lot of times you don't have it all working, so I usually go to Zoomer. Zoomerradio.ca. Uh, terrific. Correct, correct. And uh, which I find is a fantastic station also. I, I listen to it at other times as well. Isn't it uh, something? Nothing like it anywhere. I hope, that, I hope that's okay with you. <laughs> you hope what's okay with me? That I listen to other sta- other programs. Oh, other oh, oh, I'm well, I suppose I'll let it I'm slide this time. <laughs> Richard, I want to say, first of all, you know, you're very articulate. I really enjoy your show. I don't always agree with you, but nine times out of ten, I probably do. Uh, it's just, you know, you're a different kind of guy. That's all I want to say. But Where's the one time out of ten you disagree with me, Michael? <laughs> well, I can't remember right now, but let's, let's move forward for a second. Because, okay. Uh, I okay. know, I know you, you know, yeah. you, you share a lot about your personal life as well, which is kind of enjoyable. You know, so I happen to, you know, right? You're, you're Greek Orthodox, correct? I married uh, into the Greek Orthodox faith. My wife is of Greek heritage, and okay. my children are half Greek. Okay. 
So I assume you got married in the Greek Orthodox Church, if that's what Indeed, you're I did. Indeed. Okay. All right. So anyway, so the bottom line is you're familiar with the faith that I'm familiar with on the other side, the Western Catholic faith. All right. So, yes. but I wanted to talk about. Uh, before I get into uh, rock and roll heaven, I wanted to say that when I was calling in, I had a bad phone. I got a new phone now. So we're on a good connection. The last time it was turned out to be the phone, I found out. Right. So now the problem now is we're, 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 we're quickly approaching the top of the hour. So um, gotcha. if you could just right, give me so a quick question right or a comment. The rock and roll heaven, okay? I think that's um, uh, it's really a myth, and it's not really true. Uh, so... Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I what I believe the pop culture rock and roll heaven states is basically that when a you know fantastically uh, talented musician goes down, whether it be through drug abuse, abuse or overdose, or any other way, uh, that they go to rock and roll heaven. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, they're all jamming in one band. I know where you're going with that. I mean, based on the behavior of a lot of uh, pop stars and musicians, uh, the question is, are they really going to heaven? Well, that's not for me to judge, but based on their behavior, uh, you know, and, and of course, according to our faith, they will be judged. So, uh, but it's not for us. It's not us to judge them. So maybe they are in heaven. Maybe they're not. Some are. Some aren't. Who knows? Uh, I hope a lot of them are, because when I get up there, if I'm lucky, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to just hear harp music all the time. You know what I'm saying? All right, Michael, thank you for the call. When we come back, Dr. Cass Ingram will uh, talk to us about the remarkable healing qualities of certain medicinal plants. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.